Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Hear You, Mama. I'm Mama Ruth, and we've also got Mama Phoebe and Mama Jessie on the line. Jessica, she is my cousin. She's not only my cousin, but she's a mother of two wonderful children who are my nephew and my niece. She's a wife. She's an auntie. And yeah, Jessica, I'm just going to pass it over to you so you can introduce yourself a little bit more. What do you do? How old are you? And take it away. Thank you, Ruth. I am Jessica Bonzi. I am a mum of two, as you said. I am 32 years old, soon to be 33. And I am a project manager for Mental Health Foundation. And I manage two perinatal mental health projects. Wow. You're doing amazing things, Jess. Thank you. Very busy, very busy. It sounds that way. And thank you for joining us on our show today. So, yeah, November is Premature Baby Awareness Month, with the 17th of November being World Prematurity Day, which aims to raise awareness of premature births, and sometimes it has a devastating impact on families. Um, Jess also has the experience of being a mother to a premature baby, so she's going to share that with us and her neonatal story. But before she does, I'll just like to share some facts about premature birth. So, a full-term pregnancy is set to last between 38 and 42 weeks. So, I think my first pregnancy, I was well overdue. I think I had him at like 42 weeks, so they had to induce me. But yeah, I won't go into that. (laughs) Two-thirds of babies born at 24 weeks gestation who are admitted to the neonatal intensive care unit will survive and go home. 98% of babies born at 30 weeks plus gestation will survive, which is a really good number. Premature babies are more likely to have long-term health issues compared to full-term infants. Illnesses such as asthma or feeding problems, they're less likely to be able to latch and, you know, more likely to develop longer lasting issues. They are also at higher risk of um, sudden infant death syndrome, which is also known as SIDS. That's when babies die for unclear reasons, often while they're asleep. So yeah, Mama Ruth? Yeah, that's actually quite sad. For all of us here, was it a thing that you're just kind of always looking at your child when they're sleeping? Just to see if they're yeah, breathing. Yeah. And put yeah. your hands like just under their nose. To see yeah. If you can feel. <laughs> put your finger there, isn't it? If you can feel yeah. the breath. Yeah. And <laughs> I just was in their chest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's true. Everything Phoebe said, I'm just going to add a few more. So it's just other factors that may increase risk for preterm labor and premature birth may include so many things such as the ethnicity of the mother, which is, is sad, but it's one of these facts. I mean, we're not going to go into all the studies, but that's what I found doing a bit of research. The age of the mother, certain lifestyle and environmental factors, whether the mother has received early or late natal care during her pregnancy, Things such as smoking, drinking alcohol, the use of illegal drugs, and then your circumstance as well. So if the mother is unfortunately a victim or involved in domestic violence, any kind of physical, sexual or emotional abuse, that can all cause stress and impact pregnancy, which unfortunately can lead to a premature birth. So Mm. Jess, just to then get into the questions then, with all the factors and stuff that we've kind of raised, How and when did you find out that you were pregnant and how was your pregnancy overall? So I found out late September 2016 at the age of 25, about to turn 26, Mm -hmm. that I was pregnant. Very unexpected. (laughs) Not a planned pregnancy. 
and everything was fine like mm. up until yeah 12 weeks I think my dates were a bit off so I wasn't really sure how far I was um I remember having to go twice for the 12 week scans I think I went too early and they were like no you're too early come back in about three more weeks so I went and everything was fine baby was fine I didn't have any issues at all and then I started to get really sick (laughs) so I started to have serious morning sickness like you wouldn't believe I know there's a name for it but for some reason I was was it hyperemesis gravis something but I'm probably not pronouncing that right yeah gravidarium or something yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wasn't um, diagnosed with that, so okay. that's why I don't know the name. But I, all I know is I had a lot of sickness, and I'm, my doctor gave me anti-sickness. Like, I would literally vomit everything and anything. Couldn't eat anything, red meat, couldn't eat jollof, anything with tomatoes in it. I couldn't oh. have anything. Um, I used to have a sick cup when I was driving to work. It was just so bad. I'd, like, throw up anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um any time of the day and like all the food will come up like you see all the ingredients of what oh, i just gosh. ate i know <laughs> I, so the ingredients. I, I literally used to pee myself unfortunately when i'm vomiting it was that severe mm. oh what the pressure um, well it was putting pressure on your yeah, bladder the pressure it was Sounds so intense. bad mm. yeah but i unfortunately my doctor just gave me anti-sickness tablets there was no i didn't have that diagnosis or drip or anything like that i just couldn't eat and I was working still, worked full time at the time. I was working for children's services. So it's quite intense. Mm. Yeah. But I was still active. Like I couldn't eat. I would sleep all day, like when I come home from work. But I was still fine in myself. I genuinely felt felt well. Mm. Um, I found out the sex 20 weeks. Okay. And then literally four weeks later, I wasn't feeling well. I remember I was at work. It was a Monday. And I said, I'm not coming in tomorrow. You know, when you say to yourself, I'm just tired. I'm not coming in something. I just don't feel, I need a rest. Mm. So I didn't go in Tuesday, Wednesday, and I was going to return on Thursday. I don't know why, but I was going to return on a Thursday. Then I realized I had a GP appointment. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to go in because that's long. Just the the logistics of having an appointment and going in. Mm. So I remember going to the toilet and I felt like I had peed myself, but obviously throwing up, I was quite, I actually did used to pee myself. So I thought, oh, what's this? But I remember that day it was a little bit like discharging. Just, I, it just felt a bit different because I remember looking at my underwear like, what's that? Like, did I just wet myself? I don't was remember. Was it a I, bit like, jellyish? Was it like a show? Do you know they say that some women have a show mm-hmm. and it's like that jelly plug that comes? I think so. it was a bit, yeah, I would say it was, but it was very light. Okay. Um, it wasn't like a lot. And I just did, obviously, first time mom. I'm very early. I'm about 24 weeks. So I didn't think anything of it. I went to my appointment, my GP appointment. I came back home. And I think throughout the day, like, I'd go to the toilet and I just kept thinking, did I, what is that? Like, I just felt a little bit damp there. Mm. I wasn't wearing pads or anything. So I was just like, what's happening? But did it but have, like, a colour to it? You know, no people. No colour, no oh, colour. Okay. Just clear. Like, okay. Clear. So... I remember it was about 6pm, I've had a like a late shower bath and I'm, I used to share a room with my sister at the time. So I'm sitting on my bed with a towel around me and I get up and there's a massive wet patch. Oh gosh. And I'm like... So what was it? Your waters had broken or... My waters had broken ah. at 24 plus like three weeks. So that's so, six months. Yes. Yeah. Literally, I was like... I asked my sister to check me. She don't know what. She was young, three years younger than me. She doesn't know what, 
what was going on. I called them and they're like, oh, it sounds like your waters have gone. Come in. I'm like, how? Like, literally how? I didn't, I didn't even know this was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they told me, I'm not dilated or anything, but my waters have gone. So basically I had a little hole in my ambiotic sac. Oh my wow. So just little. It was really tiny, but obviously it can trigger labor. So they don't know when baby can start moving and I could give birth at any point, basically. So they gave me some injections in like my thigh that would like preserve the baby's lungs because they're like, it's baby's too early. Wow. And the hospital that I was at said they do not deal with babies under 30 weeks. So okay. the next day I'll be transferred to a tier one unit. And the hospital I was at was at West Middlesex Hospital in West London, and that's a tier three. And I was going to Queen Charlotte's, which is like near Shepherd's Bush, about okay. 30 minutes away. So what is the and different tiers? What What's the tiers? What does that mean? So tier, that means that they have like a high dependency unit for, for premature babies. So tier okay. three is the lowest. Like they don't have any equipment. They're not oh, okay. equipped. They don't have the staff. They don't have yeah. the registrars for mm-hmm. the baby. So they literally said to me, in layman's terms, we, we don't deal with babies under 30 weeks. Which is mm. really good of them to actually yeah. acknowledge that and get everything prepared for you. A hundred percent. So mm. the next, this was like late in the evening. I stayed overnight. They gave me the two injections and I was just praying like, I don't know what's happening, but this baby can't come now. I just couldn't fathom that I was going to have a baby at 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. So they put me in an ambulance the next day and I went to the tier one hospital, Queen Charlotte's, which I was actually born in. So I was like, Okay, this hospital is, like, a bit close to me. Like, I know, like, people that work there as well. So I was like, okay, in good hands. As soon as I got off the ambulance, it was in the morning, I went straight to the labour ward. And I had a midwife and a consultant talk to me about basically what to expect, that my baby's going to come very soon. Okay. Um, just the logistics, like, I should say maybe we should put a trigger warning here because it's quite... Yes. Blunt. Um, basically, like things like um, when the baby comes, they were thinking more natural birth because the baby's small. Um, we're going to put the baby in a plastic bag, kind of like a sandwich bag, oh. um, and that's going to help the baby. Um, they're like, if we bring the baby to you, unfortunately, that means the baby's passed away. Oh. If we take the baby away, that means there's hope. Okay. Um, so you had to kind of like get your mind around I'm the happy process. they told you this yeah just yeah, oh, you've been saying it now I'm getting goosebumps and so I was literally just looking at her and it was like a blur but I remember these things because I was thinking this doesn't make sense so if the baby mm. goes that means that's a good thing if the baby comes to me that's a bad thing like I was literally mm. just trying to process what she was saying to me um but all I knew is they were waiting for me to start contracting basically um the signs were showing that basically I was going to go into labour anytime soon because okay. of and I paused you there a quick second yeah. so you know when you said they were waiting for you to go into labour is it that you had already started contracting or no, the injections that they had given you they induced you no so the mere fact that my waters has like I have a little hole in it it could right. break so it, at any time and you know when you do more walking then they break yeah. the waters and stuff like that so basically I'm in I'm on my way to start labor basically okay potentially potentially um because now I know obviously I didn't so I was admitted so I went to the labor ward waiting around no contractions they monitored me monitored baby we're absolutely fine no 
dip in heart rate, no changes, no pain, nothing. So I ended up being admitted in the hospital for about 14 days. Um, you was there for a long time. Yeah, so from sitting on the bed <laughs> and on my towel, I literally didn't come out for like three weeks after that. Yeah. So um, just to yeah. ask, um, obviously that had given baby more time to develop. Yes, so yeah, the, longer, the longer he's in there, the better, as long as I don't get an infection. So, so it didn't matter that there was no amniotic fluid or there was just still yeah. a little bit, he could still develop in the womb. Yeah, so there was, so they checked the levels. I used to have loads of scans, so they will check the the level of fluid in the sac. So if it was, if it there was a threshold, so if it was lower than that, then they would remove, obviously, baby. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. my levels, everything was fine. Heart rate was fine. I had more appointments, consultant appointments, everything. I was there. I had scans, MRI scans, blood tests, infection level tests, everything. But obviously, the longer you stay in hospital, the more likely you to develop an infection. Yeah. Um, so I think I remember I kept having like these these tests to check my infection levels, and it was it was good, and then it wasn't good, and that was the reason why I stayed about fourteen days because of those levels. So obviously they sent me home after that. I kind of had to fight. I was like, listen, the levels are bad because I'm in hospital. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm literally staying in bed all day. Like, the aim is to not Mm -hmm. walk around because obviously walking induces labour. Like, I literally was on bed rest, legs up. I used to just, what do you, you know, when you buy the data in the hospital, the signal's rubbish. I was just buying data every day, watching movies, like reading books. I just didn't get up. And then they eventually discharged me and said you have to go off sick work and literally stay in bed do not move unless you go bath go toilet that is it Mm. so I got discharged I went home signed off work and I literally just stayed there I was like I'm just praying this baby stays I'd go for my odd appointment here and there for a scan or whatever like once a week I think I had to check levels of the ambiotic sac and then one silly day, <laughs> I decided that I wanted to walk around. Oh, gosh. What week? So this, by this week, I'm 29. Okay. No, 20, 28 plus 28. something. Okay. 28 plus something. So, yeah, obviously from 24 to 28, I think I've done well. Not Yeah, many, yeah. that's nearly a whole month. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I want to ask a quick thing as well, though. So, you know, when you were going for your appointments, were you like getting cab? Somebody was driving you yeah, when you so get to the hospital, were you in a wheelchair? No, so my mum would literally just drive me to the hospital and I'd just walk and sit there. Like, oh, but very minimal. Yeah, I didn't have wheelchairs or crutches or anything. Just literally... Mm minimal walking um so yeah I was I don't know looking back it's so stupid but I moved I I wanted a baby shower and I was like oh my god what's happening and I wanted to move my baby shower forward obviously because the likelihood is the baby's gonna come soon so they were doing Costco shopping and I said let me go to Costco oh god I don't know why I would say I would go to Costco but obviously I was so bored that Costco excited me and I went (laughs) Um, bearing in mind I'm not in any pain or anything there's no pain there's no like pressure like obviously I have a tiny bump because I have like no fluid mm. I was literally like bored out of my brain went to Costco came back and what do I see so I, obviously by this time I have to wear pads to kind mm-hmm. of like obviously because I'm leaking water uh, fluid so I have a pad on and I go to the toilet and I see blood and I'm thinking what the hell why is there blood um so 
just for context, I had a low-lying placenta anyway, so I was mm. already high risk. Um, my placenta was in my were in the way of the baby coming. So if I was going to have a natural birth, the placenta would move out the has to move out the way before the baby can come. So I already knew about C-sections and stuff like that in case the placenta didn't move. So when I went in, they were like, yep, come in. It was a Thursday. And they were like, it could be the placenta. It's not too much blood. It could be the placenta, but you have to stay in. So obviously my baby shower's cancelled. Um, I'm in overnight over the weekend, which is the worst place to be in the hospital over the weekend. If you know, you know. But hold That's- on, Jess. <laughs> when did when did me and my sisters come and visit you? That you was the date of your baby shower, isn't it? So you came on the day of my baby shower, which okay. was a Saturday. Yeah. the like 4th or 5th of March something like that um mm. yeah so my cousins came my sisters came we had a little baby shower in the common room because I was so, <laughs> so cute oh my gosh that is cute Gloria <laughs> shout out Gloria she brought her little speaker and I got food from Tinseltown and no way I remember everyone brought their gifts it was really nice it was Aww. really nice so I had my little baby shower and I remember, Ruth, I don't know if you remember, Belinda was like, um, Belinda's my sister. She was like, you look really dark. Like, you know, yeah, obviously. You, you, you did really, go very dark. I went mm-hmm. really dark. And like, now I know, obviously, like, they say you get dark when you're about to give birth. I don't know if that's a myth. But that melanin magic. <laughs> the from the gods. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Saturday now. And Sunday, I don't even know what I did. I probably just didn't get out of bed. Um, Monday, I know the doctors are coming. Me, I said, I'm not moving. I'm going to stay here. They come early. They're going to discharge me. Because over the weekend, the blood, like, kind of slowed down. Like, I was, like I said, I had pads, unfortunately, TMI, but I had to wear pads every day. So mm-hmm. I realised that it was slowing down. And I said, all right, I'm going to get discharged on Monday because I cannot be here. I hated it so much. So I slept. The doctors came. They checked me. They were like, oh, I had to, like, save the pads for them to see I know it's so disgusting but no, but this is what it is you're telling yeah, a story it's what it is. they actually yeah. had to check the levels and all that stuff so how much like blood I was losing so they said they were going to let me do a scan and then I could potentially go home so I I remember that you know doctors come at like 8 a.m mm-hmm. yeah. I remember sleep I said I'm gonna sleep I woke up at like 12 and there was more blood than there had been over the weekend. Oh, God. oh gosh. I was like, oh, I went for my scan. I remember at this point that I told the nurse, they were like, yep, yeah, just start collect storing your pads in this box. So that's there. I went for my scan. And I think, that, I don't know if there was an incident or they were overworked. There was no doctors and no nurses coming to see me. So like right now it's like three o'clock. I've been for my scan. Nobody has come to check me. It's Monday. And lucky for me, mm. I had a, a midwife cousin that was based at the hospital. And I told her, like, oh, this has happened. And she came to see me on her break with her doctor friend. And she's just so skilled. She was just like, oh, let him check you, whatever. Has anyone come to check you? I said, no, I was complaining a bit. And her doctor checked me. Somehow, somehow, they managed to get me to the labor ward without me thinking, like, anything's happening to me. Because bearing in mind, any pain, I'm not in, I'm not, like, I feel absolutely fine. Mm. No, no contractions, nothing. Um, so I've been to the labor ward more times than I've had children. Let's put it like that. So I just was used to going back and forth. So I'm there. I haven't had my lunch for some reason. I don't know. I think I had my scan, but I'm hungry. Um, but they're like, no, you can't eat because we think things are changing. My mom, my husband are there. We're all just there till like 11 o'clock 
at, at night. Lit- at night, literally. Wow. This is the whole day then, isn't it? The literally. whole day. Remember, I saw blood at like 11, 12. 12 o'clock. After I had my nap. Yeah. yeah. So I'm literally there. They'd leave. I'm like, yeah, just go. And I asked, can I eat? Can I have a sandwich? I'm starving. I need to eat. They were like, yeah, okay, fine. Bearing in mind, I've been on the monitor. Everything's fine. My mum and dad, my mum and my partner go. And then I've had my sandwich. Then all of a sudden, I feel like some crazy pressure that I can't explain to you. Like, it didn't hurt, but it was like, like, like a cushion feeling. Yeah, like you need to poo, but it's at the front, not at the back, basically. So I was like, what is that? It doesn't hurt, though. It doesn't hurt. So I'm like, what is that? Then I feel like a plop, like a plop sound. Oh, gosh. So I press the bell this night, and I'm like, I open my legs, like move the covers and stuff, and I see like an egg-sized clot, like a large egg-sized clot. And I'm like, what the... press the bell. I'm really freaking out because at this point another trigger warning i feel like it's the baby coming out in pieces mm-hmm. oh, i don't, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. have contractions bearing in mind i don't have a big bump but i just feel like like it's it's not like a normal like a normal period imagine like an egg literally like an egg yeah, yeah. but a large egg and then she the woman the midwife came she was nigerian she was like why are you shouting why are you shouting and i'm like what is that what is that like literally freaking out and then the, then like I feel like I think she kind of like fills my tummy like my pelvic area and like two more pop out oh. and then she, then she gets shook and then presses the thing and like 15 people come in wow and I'm like what is going on it's like 11 30 quarter to 12 I'm like what is that and then they're like okay your placenta has abrupted wow I'm like Bearing in mind, I have no pain. They put me, by this time, cannulas, left arm, sign consent. You need to have, the baby's coming now. Like, we need to get you out. Yeah. They're, weighing, they're weighing the clots. By this time, I've had, like, seven clots. They're, seven. like, eggs, seven. They put it on the inco sheet and then they're putting it on scales. And they're, like, it's, like, a liter and a half. Did they have to give you, did they have blood ready for you? And I think they were doing all of that. Is That bit is so hazy to me someone's yeah, making me sign, someone's making me sign consent forms I've got all these trainee people here that my consultants there um so they're trying to put a cannula in I'm telling them I just ate a sandwich because you know you can't eat when you have a season yeah. sometimes like, like, there's nothing they can do if you've eaten you're yeah. gonna throw up <laughs> so I'm yeah. like I'm just so confused and then they're like call your partner and your mom so I called them bearing in mind they just got home the hospital was like 30 minute drive without traffic so they have to come back um they think the baby's gonna start coming naturally so they're not in a rush for c-section they know i'm early they know he's gonna be small they think it's just gonna be natural the placenta has gone but i've lost too much blood by this time so mm. they're like we're just gonna do an emergency c-section but it was an emergency in the extent that you know, the baby has to come out because my placenta is about, but it wasn't an emergency in terms of they waited for my partner to be there, if you get me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember they prepped me. I did, I think I did the, so they do a spinal block. They don't do the epidural because it's an emergency. And then I remember my partner came in and then they were like, do you want us to tell you where we started? I was like, yep. Yeah. They were like, we started ages ago. And then I was like, okay. And then I heard him cry. Oh. So, it was. It sounded like a kitten. 
that's the only way that I can explain it. Like they it's had, they had so like, um, yeah, they had like the raids, like music on or whatever it was. They turned it down, and it sounded like he sounded like a kitten. And I just remember they took the baby away. That's um, a good sign, which was yep. a good sign. Yep. <laughs> and then they told my partner to come and take a picture for me, and he was so scared and so <laughs> shaken that the picture I have, the first picture I have of my son is like his legs only, like covered in like blood <laughs> there's like I can't see his face I don't know what he looks like he's like I can see the hands of the doctor like putting oxygen but I can't see his face mm-hmm. and then he had to follow that team the baby team the neonatal team to the neonatal unit which was like on the fourth floor so they you know did what they did with me and then they kind of wheeled me out to my mum and I was just like obviously I was awake but it was weird like I was just there talking to my mom. I remember I threw up straight away, as you oh, expected. So I was thinking, oh, my God, there's no baby. I'm still throwing up. But it just felt weird because I didn't have my baby. Mm. So, and he was obviously there. And then they focused, they focused on, like, your recovery. So they just left me, literally, with my family. Me and my mom were just talking, and she said she saw him, and he looks like a decent size. Okay. Like, he didn't, he didn't look too small when she saw him, basically. So she was happy. Um... And yeah, it was just a whirlwind from there. I kept saying, can I see him? They were like, oh no, you need to rest, you need to rest. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it was so weird. Like, I went to the post, um, what is it? What's it called? Post? The recovery. The recovery. Yeah, the recovery. Yeah. And then um, the ward. What's the ward that you go to after you give birth? I've forgotten. My brain's gone. No, when you have those curtains. Yeah, maternity the, unit. The oh, maternity okay. ward. Yeah, yeah well, the maternity ward, yeah. So there. But I went into a side room because obviously I don't have my baby. So okay. they put me in a side room. I could hear people with their babies. And I just kept saying, can I go see him? And they were like, oh, no. I had the catheter in. And obviously I was wearing off the spinal blocks. I was in a lot of pain. Mm. Um, and I just remember falling asleep. And I woke up and I was like, can I, can I see my baby? Like, literally, I didn't see him. So he was born on the Tuesday. So remember, everything happened on the Monday. And he was born on Tuesday at, like, 1.43 a.m. Mm. And I didn't see him till, like, 2 in the afternoon. Excellent. The next day? On, no, on the same Tuesday. Because, obviously, it's, like, 1 a.m. Oh, okay. So I saw so him, like, two, yeah, afternoon. Um, But I was, like, I knew from that point, I, I think I was starting to crack. Because the whole process I was just about was to ask you, like, so how were you feeling <laughs> mentally and emotionally? Like, obviously, physically, you just explained that you were in a lot of pain, yeah. which is expected because all the painkiller and stuff is wearing off. But how did you feel? It was like you've gone in with your baby. They told you you've had your baby, but you don't have your baby. Yeah, like, I was not okay. Like, mm. I literally was, I felt like I was going crazy. Like, I just, wow. I was watching myself on the outside in. Like, and there's a number of failings. That's all I can say. So the first one, there was no, my bell wasn't working. So oh you put me gosh. in a side room. I've obviously eaten. I'm still throwing up. I literally mm. throw up all over myself. I press the bell and nobody comes for like an hour and a half. No what? way. And the yeah, thing is, just had no good. reception, no phone. So yeah, there was the reception in there was pants. So I was, I've got a catheter in, and I've had my surgery, so I can't get up. Yeah. So I'm like stretching my hand to the window, and I call my sister to call the ward so that they can get someone to come in. That's Imagine ridiculous. That. that is absolutely ridiculous. 
So I think that just sitting in my vomit for an hour and a half oh, literally no, made disgusting. me crazy. Then when they came in, I'm on smoke. I'm shouting. <laughs> I'm like, take <laughs> this cavity out of me. Get a porter. I need to go see my baby. Like at this point, I don't even care. I just need to leave this. No seven trees, exactly. And the and the lady was like, "Oh, you've had major surgery. You need to." I'm like, "What am I? What am I waiting for? Like, why are you preventing me from seeing my baby? Like, oh, okay, we'll get the porter. The porter's taking long." I was like, literally. So I got up. I got up after they took the catheter. I got up, and you know, you're not allowed to. Oh no. You're not allowed to. And then. The porter came miraculously. The porter came and it wheeled me up, and I just remember seeing him, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I like all the tubes and like the oxygen, and like obviously he was so white. His skin was so white. Um, Even his head shape looked funny. He had no eyelashes, no eyebrows. and yeah, all the tubes, just the cannula on his arm. He had a splint. And I was like, what is going on? It was very hard. I was really tearful. I was literally like crying, like watching him. You know, when you put your hand to the glass and you're like really tearful. Mm. Um, it was really hard. Um, but did but somebody they, stay with you? Were you with your husband at the time? Or they just wheeled you in and just let you sit there? No, did anyone just, explain anything? no. They just wheeled me oh. in and the nurse, um, there's like a nurse in there to like two babies. I think there's two babies in there or four. I can't remember. But mm. she's got like, she's on the, like a computer and like wanted, watch, watching and monitoring all their obs. Mm. Um, and she kind of introduced herself and she's like, hi, mom. Um, he's doing really well. Like she just said her little spiel. Um, but that's one thing that kept me going they were like mom he's so big and I was like are you sure like what do you mean he's so big like this mm. is the tiniest baby I've ever seen in my life bearing in mind I've never seen a premature baby before yeah and um, yeah. you never you know you, you might know of them when they're older but you've never seen it like growing up like, um, yeah so yeah they were just encouraging me that he was healthy he was really good I had to go back down and I was really upset and they were like, oh, take pictures. I'm thinking, take, like, I could barely see his face. He's covered in, like, no. wires and stuff. So I was really, like, emotionally unsettled. Down. Yeah. yeah. Really so, badly. So, Jess, did you get to stay in hospital for as long as he was in the NICU? Or did you have to go home when you were recovered and then come back to see him? So here's where the battle begins. So... I am in a high dependency unit. So people have come from like Manchester and like whatever is a specialist hospital. So they get priority. I'm 30 minutes away, so I'm not priority. And I knew that Mm. from the jump. And I knew after like I'm healed about maybe a day or two, they're going to discharge me and I'm going to have to come from home. So what I started doing was going up to see him and staying up there all day. Mm. They will be calling, oh, nurse, can you get mum to come down? Yeah, I think I just ditched the porter in the end and I would literally like hold the walls and like just disappear like after breakfast and like get in the lift and go up there and I wouldn't come down to eat. I wouldn't come down for anything, literally. I think they would have to send a nurse to come get me. You know, those wards are so busy because all the mums yeah. have support. And so I managed to do that for a week, guys, a week. Mm. But I was not discharged for a week until they caught me and they were like, you have to, we have to discharge you. And I was really upset. <laughs> and I was like, can't you give a bed? And I had to beg. And they were like, there's no beds. So in the end, I, yeah, I got discharged after a week. 
So what about feeding? How did you, how was baby fed? Did he have to have a special formula or did you have to express the colostrum and then they fed it to him? So the first day, I believe he was, he was given donor milk. I authorised for him. And that isn't really spoken about, but I swear blind, it was the best decision ever. He got that colostrum, you know, that liquid gold, that liquid gold, that, that amazing substance that he needed and I I do think that plays a key part in his how he is now um and I'm really happy I did that that's the best decision I made in giving him donor milk Mm. as you're aware I'm not eating I'm going up there every day hiding drinking cups of tea you're not allowed like your phones in there there's so much contamination you have to wash your hands like eight times before you see your baby you can't take cups of tea and food up there so I was literally hiding up there so my breast milk was non-existent I would literally have to every night I think after night one or night two a nurse would come into my side room and she would come with a little syringe like a cowpaw syringe yeah she would make me hand express my baby she'd wake me up it's like mom you need to get up like as if your baby's here and I would hand express and she would literally use that cowpaw syringe to scrape up the scraps wow. of breast milk I had and they would go and hand deliver it to his nurse upstairs put that in his mouth or in his tube and then give him donor milk the milk that you gave to him was it because they needed it to be from you or it's just they were just trying to see and then when did they actually decide to start giving him donor milk so I think he always had donor milk but they wanted okay. me to like try because obviously my body's not ready for milk. Yeah. So I have to yeah. like kickstart it to tell it like the baby's out basically. So mm. they they were waking me up because obviously if my baby was in my room, I'd put him on and you know, your milk comes and da 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 da. You like yeah, skin to skin and all of yeah. that. It all works. I was, in do, I was doing skin to skin well. when I go up there. So yeah. he was healthy enough that they took the tube out of um, his mouth and put it in his nose instead, his feeding tube. Because when I put skin to skin, he was opening his mouth and he was opening his head. So they were really like, oh my God, mom, put him on your breast, put him on your breast. Like the NICU nurses are amazing. They were literally like, but he was just so weak. He was just so, like the sucking was not gonna, he would never get enough to sustain for me to breastfeed because he's so small. But he was showing signs of like, he could smell me. He was opening his mouth like going towards my breast and I would leak. I would leak. Um oh, God is amazing. Skin, yeah. When you do skin to skin, it is. So yeah. I think they were like, the nurses put pressure on the mid- midwives downstairs to like wake me up and try and stimulate it. Cause they saw yeah. things that I could potentially, but because I wasn't eating, it was counter- counterproductive. Yeah. Counterproductive. Yeah. I was going to say as well though, like even though you're saying, he was so small and weak. And then you're saying that how, you know, he was showing signs of that he's being advanced. It doesn't surprise me because your son to this day now, he's so <laughs> smart. He's so advanced. He's just, you would never ever think that he yeah. was born premature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that's such a good sign of hope for anyone who is worried about having a premature baby. Obviously it's not every single person, but there are, even in your child may be born premature, but it doesn't mean it's going to hinder their future or their future development even though we did read out stats that you know some can develop illnesses and stuff that may affect them in later life but there's also the chance that they're going to lead very normal healthy lives too Mm. exactly and I would love to like encourage anyone that's why I always share my story no questions are off limit like 
there is hope because I was told, you know, he's going to be delayed. He's going to be slower. He's going to be slower to speak, slower to walk. And Mm. there are some milestones that are like normal, that he will be smaller and slower. But there's hope because Jordan, my son's name, he is taller than a lot of people in his class. He's smart. He's not delayed now. So they can catch up. And there's always hope. There's always hope. And what's kind of funny is that they say, oh, he's, Oh, not even he, but babies that are born premature will be delayed. But when you think about it, they might not actually be delayed because they haven't had the full term. So they're born early, mm-hmm. but if they were they full term, they probably yeah. are on track. Or am I imagining that? No. I get so, what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, let me put it into context. So when Jordan was, like, a month old, so we're at back at my hospital now he got transferred um two weeks from tier one to tier three so I could be closer to him because he was doing fine he just was small and I met a friend who had given birth that day and Mm -hmm. by this time I'm pumped like he's he's doing really well he's put on weight he's big he's a month old and I went to see her baby who was just born like literally an hour two hours ago and she was bigger than him Mm -hmm. so that actually discouraged me because I was like how is this baby that's been born today bigger than him and then remember that baby well I'm saying remember like I know that child but (laughs) I'm assuming that baby was far along nine months in the womb it was Jordan at Mm -hmm. that stage he probably would have only have been is it seven months by that time anyway so he's still younger than that baby that was born Exactly, because yeah. he was due. He was due in. He was supposed to be due in May, and he came in March. Yeah, and that baby was due in April. So, <laughs> yeah. So he's he still was, even younger than the baby that yeah. was even born. When you when you look at it in, I don't know, realistic yeah. terms. I suppose. I know, born. but when you see it, like you're just there in your bubble, taking pictures and yeah. seeing growth and like seeing the weight, and then you just get knocked down when you see that baby. You're like, wait. He's so small. Like he's like, does he have a chance? Like you actually question yourself. Like, is he actually going to catch up? So that that feeling of that, you know, hope of like, oh, he can catch up, is really hard to see in that moment. Yeah. Um, when you're surrounded by really small babies that are just struggling. Yeah. I just want to ask a quick question. You've kind of mentioned it. Like obviously you were sneaking up. Um, the nurses didn't really know what you were doing, and then you got discharged. But what was your relationship like with the NICU team in charge who were looking after Jordan when you weren't there? And how well did you feel that you trusted them? So it was hit and miss. I think with the whole NHS just, yeah, like, let me reserve comment. But it it's there's pockets of good and then there's really bad. So I remember mm-hmm. they told me, the nurses, they had their own doctors that would come round and they would give you the update and everything. Like, let's take the tube out of, like like I said, they took the tube out of his mouth and put it in his nose because he was showing signs of sucking and trying to latch, even though it wasn't going to produce milk. Um, and, like, I remember, like, I was, I was that person that would go Monday to Sunday, not till morning till closing, because I could be there all day. I wasn't a visitor. So I'd be literally there till like 8 a.m. Till like, till like literally 11 p.m. I'll be leaving. Mm. I'll be there. I'll do skin to skin. I'll do his feeds. I'll hold his milk. So when I wasn't there, which is like literally that overnight, because not because of my own choice, because if they gave me a bed, I will sleep there. 
Yeah. And he was there for eight, he was in NICU for eight weeks. So mm. bearing in mind, I'm going there Monday to Sunday, every single day for eight weeks with a C-section scar that ended up opening because obviously oh, I was walking around. Yes, <laughs> So I would come back and he's like vomited and it's like still there in the back oh. of his neck, in the creases, in his hair. And I'd be like, I was here all day I do the cares up there I told them to show me everything I'd wash my hands I didn't have nails I would I would change his nappy I would like I said I literally wear glass do the feed pour the milk oh, I'd go in wow. express I'd make sure I put like the express milk first and then I'd give him formula so I was that productive parent there were parents that didn't come you know there was parents that were not there every day they had other children yeah. or you know they weren't bonding or whatever the reason was mm-hmm. I didn't ask but I know there was babies there that would be left there all day let's mm. just put it like that mm. and I was there every single day um so if I come and I'm coming because I have to get a lift because I can't drive for six weeks and there's vomit in my baby's hair in the morning because mm. what but to say, so, just to say, no one looks after a child like a mother. Like, there's yeah, no yeah. thing like a mother. The attentiveness, everything is going to be different. Because even when my son's at the childminder sometimes and I'm cleaning his nappy when I get home and I'm thinking, why can I still see, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. poo in the next in the little bomb. thing? Is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. my mum always has to remind me, like, no one will love and give your son the amount of love and attention and care and attention to detail as you would as his mother so yeah Yeah. I can only imagine how infuriating that would be to see that your baby still has vomit because what what were you doing no but on the other hand this is just me being devil's advocate and even devil's advocate but you know there are some good and the fact that they're in neonative intensive care that you need to be highly trained and highly skilled to be given that responsibility and to be doing that work so you know we always we know about the pressures of the nhs and stuff like that so i don't think it's a lack of care maybe it's just a a lot of work and pressure i'm just saying it as a maybe yeah there there would be one nurse so when he's in level one room there was like one nurse and like four babies. Yeah, it's not easy. And then, and then when he went to the, the bigger room, there's even like less. There's like two nurses to like eight babies. Yeah, yeah. So they encourage, that's what I said, they encourage mums to come and do the care throughout the day. And then the night surf just help. But some babies go into a crisis or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I got it. But for me at the time, I didn't get it. You didn't understand yeah. it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even like silly things like, you know, I come. There's never been a day that I don't come. I think one day my sister was like, oh, just come. I had braids, like these crochet braids. She was like, oh, come to your lashes. You'll feel better. Like they were trying to help me. So mm-hmm. I didn't go early. And when I got there and I went to his cot, he had been moved. Oh, cool. I literally, I was thinking, where is he? Like you start shaking, like what's happened? Where's my baby? Like what's that? And then, like, oh, mom, he had a little like infection. So we had to move him to oh. the other room. And I'm like, so why would no one call? Like how am I, you've let me walk through, wash my hands 10 times. I walk past and no one's told me that he's been moved. No one's called me. So it's like little things like that. I was like, mm, yeah, I don't like that. I didn't like that at all. But like I said, it's the pressures of the system. But they were really good at what they did. They they taught me everything I know. 
about cares like I had first aid training like it was really really intensive but it's all about the baby they don't they don't focus on you at all as a parent like their primary job is just the child so it's the baby yeah that's it so Jess when Mm. baby was strong enough to leave um the NICU did you still like when you was back at home did you still receive like more attentive care and additional support because he was a preemie or was it normal The day that the day you get the golden ticket to go home, um, you get you get two chances of being unplugged to any oxygen and you know the beep 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 and like the heart rate and all of that in the hospital. So you get to sleep there in a side room in the hospital with your baby and no one will come. No one will come and check on you. Nothing. Baby's fine. You have to get up, do the cares, mm. change the nappy. So the first day. I was like somebody on drugs. I dropped all my milk. I was like, I didn't sleep because I've done Just eight weeks sleeping, literally. Mm-hmm. I would wake up and try and express and stuff like that because they give you like these bottles to like bring whatever milk you can get. Even if you get like one meal, bring it. Mm-hmm. So I used to wake up and like express at night, but like I did sleep. Let me put it like that. I slept because the baby wasn't there. Yeah. So I was like, it was like a culture shock. So I begged them for another day. I was like, please, I need another day. I'm so scared because you're just used to hearing the beeps. When you like pick up your baby, do skin to skin, you, you hear the beeps. So to like have quiet and bearing in mind your baby's tiny, you, can't, you can barely hear them. Yeah. Um, I had another day and they were like, mom, it's fine. He's fine. You can go. So we left and I was like, oh my God, there was, there was nothing. You know, the health visitor appointment that you get, I already had that because I was in hospital. Yeah. Oh, so they didn't, there was nothing. There was nothing. Just the bag and the information that they gave you. Before we left, we had to do um, first aid training, choking and all that stuff, like signs to look out for. We had to sign off on that before you can go home. And yeah, that was it. So and nobody like, at all came to see, or you had to rather go to a clinic and bring him in. Yeah, so he had okay. um, like weigh-in. I I did regular weigh-in for him. So I'd go to the baby children's centre, whatever, and that during those days, book appointments to get him weighed and like ask questions like, oh, because he had um, a lot of reflux so with the milk. He had special milk, so I didn't have to buy no milk for six months. I got like but beef, beefing up milk um, from the doctor um, on prescription. Uh, I would have reg- I think I did weigh-ins every week mm. but that was for me I wanted to know how much he was putting on weight um and I can ask questions about the reflux and things like that but yeah nothing no one I was gonna say did you find yourself being obsessed oh yeah I hardly slept my mum would come over and help me um I was always checking on him after I gave him a bottle I'd have to burp him and keep I had to kind of put some padding under his bed to lift his cot up so when he was in the NICU they they had this way of like doing the bedding so his bed was a little upright tilted yeah mm-hmm. tilted because they choke they literally will choke the milk up out of their nose but obviously we were not there to see mm-hmm. it so the baby would have like he used to have like white spots of milk coming out of his nose and I'm like why is the milk coming out of his nose so I'd have to burp him for like really long periods of time and he had to have his bed a little bit upright so I'd put like stuff under the mattress just to lift it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't co-sleep because I was so scared that he would just disappear into oh. the um so I yeah, I didn't I couldn't do any of that. Um 
he had, he, I didn't, I continued to pump and then just give him whatever I could pump and then put the formula on top. Yeah. But he always had like a few meals. Like if I go through my phone in 2017, I have little screenshots of the milk that I was able to get. <laughs> like did, in the little cups. <laughs> so did your milk actually come in full flow eventually? No, or? no, 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 it didn't come. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I had a lot of pressure but I, I, he was fed. Fed is best. Like, mm-hmm. it comes hard. And Whether it's really breast bad. or formula, exactly, yeah. they're fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you want them to have the best because you know how important it is. But if it can't come, it can't come. I used mm-hmm. to be the, that person. They have, like, breastfeeding stations in the NICU. So you yeah. just go and get a cup of tea, attach yourself to the pumps. They give you all the parts and then you bring it into them and put it in the fridge and stuff. And, like, you'd have bare chats with, like, loads of women in there. And I'll just be looking at their breasts and they're just filling up. They're just filling up. They're talking to me and it's just filling up. And I would have been there for an hour and I have the smallest cup and it's not full. And I'll be like, how the hell? And I'm like, what do you drink? What do you, it's just, I tea, I drink tea. And I, I wasn't drinking and eating. I know that was it. Like, I literally, my diet was so bad. So, yeah. Yeah, I but that's that understandable. Like, you're going through a lot. Like you were saying, you're there. If it's not 24-7, apart from the weekends, you were there. You know, yeah. so I'm, your, your I'm mind is somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's packed lunch. <laughs> so, what were the major differences between like parenting a premature baby and a full term baby? Did you notice a, a big difference? So, my daughter is considered premature as well because oh, she really? was she's she was thirty five plus six. Okay, um, so nearly full that is that is just because she got like low birth weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went for my scans, they were like, oh, mom, she stopped growing that. And I was thinking, everything's gone so well. What do you mean she stopped growing? Like I passed the 29, I passed the 24 marker, I passed the 29 marker. Um, I didn't have a stitch, like everything was perfect. Um, so I was like, how? And they were like, oh, she's not growing. So they did a plan C-section. And because my, I would have been 20, 36 weeks on the Sunday so they did it on the Friday. So that's why she's like still considered preterm. Mm. Um, but other than that, she didn't go to NICU ever. She is, I had, I you know, after I had my C-section, I had her, she came to me. So it was a whole different experience. But mm. she's still considered a little bit premature, like by a day or two. For me, the experience was like so different because I got to mm-hmm. take my baby home in a couple of days. Yeah. I, I got to put her on my breast like I did breastfeed I still struggled like I didn't have a great supply so I still had to like um co-feed she was jaundice as well so we had to go back yeah. into the hospital and then that's when they were saying mom just give her milk because your milk is not enough and mm-hmm. she needs the fluid to take the jaundice out of her mm-hmm. um, but obviously it was different because I had my baby at home within the first like week so I think the main difference is just that bonding moment with your baby, that breastfeeding, like that new baby feel. I never yeah. got that. It's a totally different experience. Like I went to neonatal classes, antenatal classes, and they were like, who's had a baby before? And like, we were the only ones. And they were like, um, how come you're here? And I'm like, because I didn't get to this stage. I wanted a natural birth. They were like, it's like far-fetched, but I really thought I would have. But I, I just wanted that full experience because it was so cut short that, yeah, I was really upset. I just think it's totally different. Like you can't prepare. I don't think I can even explain it. Even if I do explain it, unless you're in it, you will not know how it feels to not have your baby from, for those 12 hours, the first 
point. I think I've got so many pictures of like, well, you know, when you come out of the, the C-section room and you're holding your baby. Yeah. I was just smiling. I was literally like, <laughs> and you know how they come and they put the hat on and they're checking. Yeah. They're like, oh, mom, we could put clothes on her because she's getting a bit cold. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, I just couldn't believe that <laughs> my baby was in my arms and yeah. it was planned C-section. So there was other mums. I was the first one. So I got to see everyone else go out and come in. Come back in. Wow. Their baby. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. You just, we were all here a minute ago, no babies. And we're just coming, they're just flying in. And then there's baby um, coming. Yes. <laughs> it's literally like I literally remember my cheeks were hurting so much because I was cheesing so much. <laughs> oh Jessica, I forgot to ask you. Obviously you had to have baby at an early stage. He was a preemie, but what about your baby bag? Did you have anything packed? Was anything ready or did your family have no. to run around and buy clothes? I didn't, and- I didn't have anything. Even when I came home for those five weeks before he came from where my waters went. Mm. I didn't have anything, absolutely nothing. I remember they gave me nappies and then they were like, Mom, you need to buy nappies. I was like, where do I buy nappies from? They're, this is so small. And they were like, Ooh. oh, yeah, Tesco do premi nappies and premi clothes. But he didn't need clothes because he was in a heated environment for a while. So once he comes out of the incubator and goes into a cot, that's when they need clothes. But there was only Tesco's that used to do it in 2017 the tiny, tiny nappies. And I used to buy that. And then I used to put it under his, like, in his drawer in the incubator. But I had nothing ready. I'm thinking now, so where would, if it's just, because you know what, when I go shopping, I've never had to look for premium nappies, but I've never actually seen them. So I guess, well, you know what, maybe they're available on like Amazon and stuff now, but I think it should be a thing that all supermarkets really should have them. Yeah. I know. I didn't know where to go. They said they had to tell me because they were using it on him. I didn't even. I remember one day the lady was like the per, the nurse that was looking after him was like, "Mom, you need to bring nappies. You need to bring cotton wool. You need to bring vaseline." I was thinking, why? But <laughs> that's because like they need that supply. Like it should have been a part of it. I don't know if it's now, but I remember I had to bring so much cotton wool because that's how we used to clean them. So the first baby bath, my son did not have a baby bath for eight weeks. Mm. Is that because his skin was delicate still? Yeah. I had to use cotton wool and sterilised water to, like, wipe down his neck and his ears and, like, do the cares. So I remember when I went into that room, before we got discharged, the nurse was like, "Okay, we're going to bath him. And I've literally got my one palm, like, holding him. to like Because he was so small. Just one hand. And, like, would hold his whole body. Yeah. So that was another exciting milestone. So when my baby came home, you know, that nice warm bath that my mom got to do. And I literally was them. just about to ask that. I was going to say, how did Ghana bathing go? Because already even with their full time, they're still quite frail and fragile and tiny. So how did your mom handle all of that? She she did. She just did it. I think once he's home, he's home, he's growing. As small as he is, she mm. did it. Like I circumcised my son. I know that's a bit taboo, but anyways, I couldn't do that. <laughs> for eight weeks yeah so I had to like come home and then I'm like he's so big I remember we didn't even do it as soon as he came home because my mom was like oh no wait like he's literally so small all the you know customary things we do went out the window because Mm -hmm. we're like no 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 he's not ready he's not ready so he didn't get circumcised till like July and he was born in March that's so unheard of yeah so um yeah all of these things we just had to wait we just had to wait 
and just let him get a little bit of meat on his bones before we could be a bit more active. Yeah. I remember it was summertime and he has hats and cardigans and jacket. Like, literally, I was that person in, like, May, June, July, if I went out. Then back then, there was mother care, so I was getting everything from mother care. Um, yeah, he was wearing, like, fully winter clothes. He needed it, though, didn't he? he didn't yeah. have, he couldn't regulate his own temperature, so he yeah, needed I it. Said, I'm, I'm not getting back to this hospital. Mm. So I just, yeah, I just wrapped him up, covered him, and just went outside. You know, you're talking and about I, your Ghana bath. You know, yeah, we yeah. have a similar thing in, in Guyana, but I wouldn't call it a Ghana. Well, obviously, it's not called a Ghana. <laughs> but like with the babies when they're new, with the grandmas, they come in and give them like a full stretch, like across the arms, across the legs, yeah. oil down with the oils and yeah. the goodness, the goodness. So, yeah, I recognize that as well. My mum bathed my son the first time, both of them yeah. actually. Yeah, so my mum didn't do that for a long time so it's different I remember when my daughter was born my mum did that within the first I don't know how many days it was yeah Yeah, first week so yeah all of those things are the type of like differences um that you face when you have a preterm baby you know what thank you so much Jessica for sharing that it's been I'm not gonna say it's been amazing I mean it's been amazing you sharing a story but even when you were saying a story I could just feel like goosebumps at certain points and you know, yeah. it's, I'm glad that you've mentioned that, you know, we're definitely going to have to put a whole trigger warning at the beginning of this episode because it's emotional yeah. even just listening to it. So only God knows how it must have felt like for you and, you know, your husband and the immediate family going through it. But, you know, we just thank God in all of it that at least you're here to tell the tale and your son, Jordan, he's here as a big testimony that he's premature, but that wasn't a hindrance in his life. Mm, yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. And you're it was lovely having you. Let me put my two pence piece in. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your story. And it's just an eye opener because when you go into hospital and you have your baby, your experience is your own. So quite often you don't really get to hear um, how other mums experience their births for example I haven't actually listened to a mum speak about what it's like to have a premature baby and the story that goes along with it and all the hard work and effort Mm -hmm. that goes behind it the emotional side of things so just thank you for sharing that and I could really feel the emotions behind it yeah so thank you I have one last question where I mean when I was doing my research I was looking at bliss dot org mm-hmm. in, do you know of any other kind of organizations that you or support groups that maybe you might have joined that any other mom who's listening maybe that may know of somebody else that's haven't had a premature baby or then they themselves at this point in time they've got a premature baby that they can follow or join or read up i on. think i think now is like a different time so for me it was bliss as well so yeah. when you're the NICU like I said you have like a common room and they give you like food you're there regularly they like knit little things for your baby and like little little blankets so there's like lots of advice there in the in that in that ward the neonatal ward but I didn't have any other support groups but now I know like if you go on Instagram like loads of people would set up like Mm. groups around neonatal and things like that but I'm not aware of any um other than bliss unfortunately but definitely seek out support lots of the mums there as well you have like a whatsapp group and things like that and like support one another um during that time but Mm -hmm. I think people are so focused on their baby and their baby's cares that they kind of like forget themselves really which Mm -hmm. is bad but yeah there's lots of support and advice around the neonatal ward that you you reside at your local hospital 
I want to ask one more thing as well, because I know at the beginning you mentioned that you're a project manager and, you know, some of the work that you've done, a project that you've worked on was kind of putting together the perinatal mental health conference that took place earlier on this year. So do you feel that obviously you were doing it from a project management kind of perspective, but Mm -hmm. being a mother and being a mother to a premature baby, what was your perinatal mental health like and how, how were you able to contribute to that conference? Yeah, so just applying for the role um, has all stemmed from my lived experience, like Mm -hmm. how I wished during that time I got support and like the focus was on me. Not the focus, but like there was additional support for me. But you can say focus Um, because there should have been focus on you too. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think like literally like there is no... I'm sure there is. I'm sure there are support groups out there. But for me and a lot of other women I know, we didn't have any support whatsoever. Like no one. I used to cry when I'm doing skin. And I used to be so tearful. And I just, no one said, are you okay? Like he's Mm -hmm. like a leaflet or anything. Like I just thank God, you know, my family. And they, like I said, my sister was taking me out to go do my lashes. And like, I remember it was Mother's Day, first Mother's Day, and your baby's in the hospital. And they were like, oh, come out for dinner. I'm like, no, because my baby's not here. And they were yeah. like, you know, come out. But there should be a focus on the mum and how you feel. Because if I'm not okay, how can I come and do the cares exactly. and be equipped to yeah. like look after my baby? So yeah, perinatal mental health. Um, the project is that I work on, one of them is amplifying maternal voices, mm-hmm. which is like spotlighting the perinatal mental health experience of women that we don't usually hear from, which mm-hmm. is, you know, mothers for, with premature children, ethnic minority women, refugee and asylum women. Even speaking about refugee and asylum women, there was a woman um, there who was on her way to Chicago and she was she had quads and she got diverted. Wow. The, plane, the plane got diverted and she ended up at my hospital and trigger warning, she lost three of her children and ended up with one and I'm there with her you know she's physically mourning and she doesn't get any support whatsoever because she has to pay she wanted a post-mortem done on her children and they were like you need to pay your fine wow so imagine being in that in that space already um and being vulnerable she's lost three out of her four children she's come from Nigeria via the UK to go to Chicago to give birth and she's ended up in a hospital in West London with one baby. Mm. So, how far along was she? I'm just trying to think like, I don't I know, think complications she, I think, yeah, she had travelled like to give birth. So she, I think she, they're still early, but obviously with um, multiples, yeah. yeah, you give birth. But they did so much, so much um, work. I think like they removed one and kept the three in and then they came later. There was, it's, it's all over, like it's actually all over, um, the news I think uh, BBC done a documentary on it because she couldn't grieve and I came to meet her me and my son came to meet her in that process of being in NICU Jordan was her, our kids were like neighbours and she started saying you know she, she had four and there's one left and wow. just processing other people's stories mm-hmm. and being in that so like literally amplifying their voices on how you know, what they've experienced and how they would have supported and why they don't come and seek out support. Because mm-hmm. if she's talking about, um, you know, being fined and losing her children, why is she going to talk about her mental health? Of course, yeah. her mental health is going to be deteriorated. Intensive. That's like mm-hmm. the last thing on her mind yeah. to come and now tell someone, like, I'm actually struggling mm-hmm. when you're being presented with a bill. 
So yeah, the project is so dear to me in both both aspects of my lived experience and supporting other people based on what I went through with Jordan. So yeah. It's so, so where really- can we find out more? Like are there is there a website we can follow, any Instagram pages we can follow? Yeah, so if you go on the Mental Health Foundation page and type in Amplifying Maternal Voices, um, you'll see a bit more about the project that I'm working on. And we also work with Maternal Mental Health Alliance, which I think about during that Mental Health um, Awareness Week. Mm -hmm. So there are partners on the project. So we support a number of grassroots organisations that are doing amazing things on the ground with, with women from all the areas that I spoke about and supporting them during that that difficult time amazing work yes amazing i'm proud of you (laughs) (laughs) we need mamas like you mama jess we need mamas like you really do thank you so much guys (laughs) all right so guys we're now coming to the end of our podcast we thank jess once again for joining us sharing her neonatal story and her you know, the work that she does with amplifying maternal voices and the work that she does around perinatal mental health. And, you know, may God bless you. Keep you safe and well, Jess. And all of you that are listening, God bless you. Good night, good morning, whatever time you're listening to this. And we always hear your mama. Bye. Bye.